0: A brand new parsha. Parsha's kitavol. We are getting towards the end of the Torah. And we only have five parshas left. Which means we're about to we're getting closer to Simchas Torah, celebration of the conclusion of the Torah, and starting again with Voracious, all over the all over again for the first time. So here we are, Deuteronomy chapter 26, the Haya Kitavol Moshe says. When you will come to the land. So that's the, the meaning of the, of, the, the, of the title of the parsha, Ki Savo or Ki Tavo. When you will arrive. So the root here is Bo. Bez Aleph. When you will come. When you will come into the land. That the Lord your God is giving you. As an inheritance. Virishta You will inherit it. You will possess it. Take possession of it. And you will dwell in it. Now, this is all a preamble to a mitzvah called Bikurim. Bikurim means taking from the first fruits of the seven special uh, species that the land of Israel is praised about, such as the pomegranate, the dates, the figs, so forth. And you take the first fruits and you bring it to the Kohen, as the Torah will explain. But the Torah in this verse is telling you when does this mitzvah come into effect? When does it apply? And it says, when you will enter the land and you will possess it and you will settle in it. Rashi will explain exactly what that means. He says, this tells us that the obligation for the mitzvah of Bikurim, Bikurim means the first fruits, Bakhor is the first. Firstborn is called the Bakhor. Bikurim and the first fruits or the first to ripen. I'm sorry, the, the, the first fruits. So this mitzvah only went into effect once they possessed it and settled it. As we know, we've seen in the past in Rashi that it took 14 years for the Jewish people to seven years to conquer the land and possess it, and then another seven years to settle the land, which means to divide it among the various tribes. The Rebbe points out on this verse and says that here we see, the beauty of the Jewish people or the commandment that the mitzvah of Bikurim is about joy. It's about being thankful for all, all of our gifts and an expression of our, our, our gratitude when we are in joy. And what is it saying that as long as, you know, if, if you manage to settle your land in the first year of the seven years of division, and you've got your Bikurim, and you're like, Oh, I got my Bikurim. I want to go to the temple. I'm going to go and thank God for this. No, you cannot Rejoice with what you have, knowing that it has the the entire land has not been settled, which means there are some people that don't yet have this. So we have to wait until everybody has before we start celebrating and, um, and doing the Bikurim. So, a beautiful lesson in if somebody else is lacking, we are not complete. Verse two. You will take now. What exactly do we do with this mitzvah? You take may rechis from the first fruits. Now rechis is a word you might recognize from the beginning of the Torah. Rechis, like the word birachis, in the beginning. So here's the same idea. Mei The Whenever you have a mem at the beginning of a word, it means from, of. Here is the translator: take of the first fruit. We can see that significant in Rashi: take of the first fruit. The rechis, like rosh, means head of all the fruit of the earth. And you say that's contradictory to what I said before, that it's only the seven species. Don't worry, Rashi will address that. You shall take from the first of all the fruits of the ground. That you will bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall place it in a basket. So tenet is a basket. You'll go to the place that God, Lord your God, will choose to make his name dwell over there. Of course, that is referring to the word ten- May of the first, or from the first, says that is a qualifier. Whenever it says from, that means not all of it, but of it. And what is that? Excluding not all the fruits... Have this obligation of bikurim of bringing the first fruits only shivat haminin bilvad, only the, the seven special species that are associated and the land of Israel is praised with. How do we know this? Because here it says the word eretz, which means land, and it says further on, um, I'm sorry, it says it says, um, in chapter eight, eretz chito Soda, So when it says land, it's Comparing to the land of Israel and the special fruits of the land of Israel, so too here it is the seven special species of the land of Israel. What exactly do you do? Says Rashi, a person will go, goes down to his field and he sees a fig that has ripened. He wraps a gemi, a reed, around it as a sign, and he says this will be bikurim verse 3, and what do you do with it? So you gather all of these first fruits of the seven species, and you come to the Kohen. That will be in those days. Rashi's going to wonder. You you can only bring it to the Kohen that is there in your days, unless you have a time machine and you you can go back in time or you can go forward in time. So why does it say that will be in those days? We'll get to that in Rashi. You shall say to him, I am telling today to the Lord my God that I have come to the land that the Lord our God has promised to us, sworn that he will give to us. Says Rashi, what does it mean in those days, the coin in those days? You only have the coin in your days, whatever he is. And as he points out beautifully in the brackets here, although he may not be as wise or holy as those of previous generations, you're obliged to address him with the respect due to his office as an agent of God. So we've had this before with the judges, where it says you will come to the judges in those days. And the same question arose, how can you go to judges in any other day? And as we said, then there's always a nostalgia for, ah, the Kohen, the judge of the previous generation. Those were Kohenim. Those were judges. It says, no, the Kohen in your days, that's the one that you have. And that's the one that you should uh, respect and bring to you shall say to him that you're not ungrateful for everything that God has done for you. You should do this once a year and not twice a year. Makes the, the declaration once a year. Even though you might return with more fruits later that same year, you're only going to make this declaration once. And then what happens, verse 4, The shall take the basket from your hand. And he shall place it before the altar of the Lord your God. Now, these fruits, don't worry, they're not going to get burnt on the altar. Uh, the Kohen is going to eat them. But before that, he takes it, he waves it, and he places it um, He places it in front of the altar. Rashi says that he takes it to wave it. The Kohen places his hand under the hand of the owner, and they wave together. They wave the basket. Verse five, anisa and then you shall call out and say before the Lord your God, arami oividavi. So now this is the declaration that you would say when you bring the bikurim. Now, we have other gifts to the Cohen. For example, truma, supposed to give a percentage of your produce to the of all your produce to the Cohen. But that is not uh, that you, you can go to your neighbor. Who's a, who might be a Kohen, if he's a coin, and you give him the Truma, and you're done. And the Kohen can eat it right there. The Bikurim are special in that you have to bring it to the temple and that there's a special declaration that goes along with it. Now, you may recognize these words, an Aramean sought to destroy my forefather in this whole passage, because it's this passage, this declaration that we read about on Pesach, in the Haggadah, when we, this, when we tell the story of our people in the Exodus, we use this declaration to expound upon in the Haggadah. So it may sound familiar. What do we say? We say, Arami Oividovi, an Aramean, who referring to Laban, tried to destroy my father, referring to Jacob. And what happened? Vayed ed Jacob went down to Egypt and he dwelled there by with a small number of people. And he became a great, mighty, and numerous nation. Rashi says, What does it mean, Vaniso? Here we translate, you shall call out. Rashi says, Vanisa means Lashin koil, raising the voice. You got to really say this. You can't mumble it. He says, Rashi, Now we're mentioning. We're bringing to mind the kindnesses of God, of the omnipresent, Arameh Ebedabi, that Laban tried to destroy everything when he ran after he pursued Jacob, and he wanted to kill him. In the end, he didn't, because God came to him in a dream and said, don't mess with Jacob. But since he wanted to do it, God considers it as if he did it. So we say an Aramean, it doesn't say sought to destroy my father, it actually says an Aramean destroyed my father, even though he didn't consider as, a, as if he did but at the time he went down to Egypt and others as we say in the Haggadah, came to destroy us uh, I'm sorry um, uh, Esav. Esav wanted to destroy us, so that and he ended up going down to Egypt with 70 souls. Verse 6, The Egyptians treated us cruelly and afflicted us and placed upon us difficult labor. And we called out to the Lord our God and God heard our voice. And he saw our affliction and our toil and our oppression. And he took us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great awe and with signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place. Okay, so uh, this is where, as far as it goes, in the Haggadah. To the end of this, verse 8. We don't get into verse 9 in the Haggadah. So this will be a, less familiar. What happens after all that? And God brought us to this place, to the land of Israel. He gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. What's to this place? We are aware of this being said. This is being said at the temple. So this place refers to the temple. He brought us to this temple. He gave us the land. And now, verse 10, Behold, I brought the first of the fruits of the earth that the Lord gave to me. And now you take; he takes it, the coin takes it and lays it before the Lord your God. Moshe is saying, put it before the Lord your God. Bow down before the Lord your God. It says, This tells us that The owner takes the basket after the coin has completed, waving it. And the owner grasps it in his hand during his declaration and then repeats the waving procedure. Verse 11, the verse of the, today's parasha, You shall rejoice with all the goodness that the Lord your God has given to you in your home. You and the Levite and the convert that is among you, says Rashi, should rejoice with all the good. When is the time to do this Bikurim ceremony? From this verse, we derive that the time to do it and to make this declaration is at a time of joy because it says you shall rejoice. So it should be at a time of joy, which is, the time period, May atzeres the Ad Hachag, from Shavuot, which is called atzeres, until Chag, which is Sukkot. So basically, from uh, May? When is Shavuot? In May? Something like that, until Sukkot, which is usually the end of September. Shavuot. So you got a couple of months. Shavuot. Malaki What's special about this time? That's a time when you're gathering your produce and your fruits and your wine and your oil. So it's a time of joy. But from Sukkot and on until Shavuot, so from Sukkot to Shavuot, you would bring these first fruits if you had them, but you would not recite the declaration. Levi, you and the Levite, The Levi is also obligated to bring Bikurim, if they planted within their cities. The the, the Ger would bring but not say, because he couldn't say to my forefathers. It wasn't her, his forefathers that went through that experience. That concludes today's partial stop this year and I will open it up to questions and comments. Obviously, the, the basic idea here is about humility, acknowledgement of where our blessing come, blessings come from, um, the Jew coming into the land of Israel and planting the land and, of course, the risk of thinking, oh, I'm so great. I've made this. It's all mine and forgetting where our blessings come from. So we're being reminded, where, where did we come from? What's our history? How did we get the corner office? We were, we were slaves in Egypt going through the whole history of who we were, and that God brought us to this place as this a gift from God. And we, we recognize that by bringing the very first fruits and dedicating that to God. So once again, we'll open it up to questions and comments. So is this a, a, a reminder, a kind of reiteration of what's been told to the Jews so many times of needing
1: to be grateful, to be grateful to God for these things, spelling it out in detail with the first fruits? And is, that, is that what...
0: Exactly. I, think- I would say it's another reinforcement of that. We had that with the challah, that when you make bread, you've got to take a portion of the challah, separate that. So this is, we have these constant, um, you know, reminders, Along the way in the agricultural process, the Bikurim is actually the first, because that as soon as you see it starting to bud, that's when you wrap the um, the the reed around it. So that's the first thing that you do, and then it's later when you start separating for the kohen and for the tithe for the levite, and then even later you get to the challah, when you you're you're starting you know you made it into flour you're mixing it with water it's turned into dough. And you take it out. So along the process from the very beginning, which is Bikurim, through Truma, which is when you gather in the produce, and Miser, the tithe, um, and then when you actually make the bread. So I guess you could say there's three points, touch points, where you're reminding yourself where it all comes from, who butters our bread dairy-free butter it's almost like a a reminder of everything we do everything we you know that we are involved in
1: can be seen as being a connect from a connection to god It's in the right way it's done in the right way every moment is a is a kind of a stillness and connection with the divine if we could be there it's so hard to do it at every moment Kind of right. That even in the little things, don't think of it as just little things. It's still
0: important. It's an excellent point, and you you said it's difficult to do it every moment, and that's also part of this is that you know we have the you know, the first thing of the day, right? So that's kind of the bikurim of the day. The first thing is you're supposed to say the modani, supposed to be thankful, and the first you know, not the very first thing of the day, but our, the beginning of our day is supposed to be. The prayer, putting on tefillin and doing the prayer. Um, you know, the, the, the in other words, that our, our connection with God, our connection with with the Torah should not be the last on the agenda, God forbid. But to the contrary, the first thing we dedicate to God, then the rest of it, our material life, that's also, I mean, that's most of it. Um it, it, it uplifts all of it. And, you know, it, in, in the first verse there, it, the second verse, it says, you shall bring from all the fruits of the earth. But then Rashi tells us it's only talking about seven kinds. So it seems a little bit tricky. If You just looked at the verse and didn't see Rashi. You'd think it says all the, all the fruits. It says of, well, not all of them. You don't have to bring all your fruits, but uh, you bring some of them. But Rashi tells us, no, it's only speaking about specific fruits. And I was thinking that perhaps what the verse is saying is when you bring those Bikurim, even though you're only bringing it from the seven species, you're actually uplifting all of your fruits, all of your produce, right? It's almost like when you give your tithe to charity, that uplifts all of your possessions, right? You can't give it all away. You know, God wants us to survive and live. We can't give away all of our fruits. But the part that we give away and also the times of the day that we give and dedicate to Torah study and to prayer, that not only affects that particular time, but the entire day. It uplifts the entire day, both practically because it imbues all the other moments with meaning, because if you're, if you're reminded yourself, then it brings a different meaning to what you're doing the rest of the day. But also in a spiritual sense, uh, this this is kind of the, the representative, right? You know, not everybody has to go to represent the community. You choose one or two people, and they represent the whole community, and in them is embodied the entire community. And um, in a similar way, these times that we're giving, or they, these this produce that we're giving, has the power to um, to uplift and embody the entire thing. This Alter talks about this in the Tanya, this concept.
2: Rabbi, um isn't I was just wondering, is this, is this a little like did any of this really sink in? Because the Jewish nation has a bigger fish to fry. You know, these seems like very minute details when <clears throat> they're probably planning for battle in lots of other things and you know, I was just thinking about what a stiff-necked nation we are. Is this going over their heads, or people receiving this and say, "Oh yes, I'm writing, I'm, I'm taking notes," and and um, you know, because the our our nation at certain times in its history has plagued with you know incessant idolatry um, at certain points, and it's and except for. You know a few really amazing kings um there's been trouble there has been trouble so i was wondering is this being received well like what's the audience like
0: it's a great question um i would venture to say because i'm pretty optimistic that it was received well and you know you're right. They, they are thinking about traveling and they really they have the presence of mind to absorb these things. I could see how that could be challenging. But then again, you know, it's Moses who is speaking to them. They know who Moses is. So that's a pretty impressive figure. And um they have been told that God will be with them and so on and so forth. And um, so I would say, I think, you know, there's probably some truth to what you're saying that that uh, it may have been difficult to purely just focus on what was being said. But I think that they would have enough presence of mind to absorb it. You're right also that the Jewish people, when we look at our history, we made a lot of mistakes, which is one of the beautiful things about our history is that we talk about our mistakes, but they're there. And the way I always think of it is, imagine if they wouldn't have had all of these mitzvahs to remind them of who they are and what it is. And so um, definitely these mitzvahs had their effect, but nevertheless, even with that, the challenges, they didn't overcome the challenges or a significant number of them did not overcome the challenges, but certainly they accomplished many good things and had many, there were many righteous people and even the, the less righteous Surely had many good moments and good times. Nevertheless, ultimately they were they were sent to exile. But I, I wouldn't say it was a, a complete failure. Not that you were suggesting that, but uh, I could see where, where the question is coming from. Um, but I think it's it's a little bit more more complex than saying uh, they, it was a they just failed to take the message. They got the message, and to some extent they implemented what they were being taught, but clearly not not enough so they got a second chance and now a third chance hello you were going to say something yeah uh
1: my question is that uh, the bikurim part of it is it about uh, all the only the the fruits that you grow yourself or because when you just came to israel to i mean to land of canaan it's already one like over there you know orchards and everything else you know and obviously, because that's what they say, was uh, the, uh, the land with milk and honey, and uh, and it was a command also not to destroy the, you know, the fruit trees and everything else. Right. Hashem. So what I'm saying is, is this uh, um, uh, Mitzvah is related only to the, the, the trees that you planted yourself, or to basically that you own this piece of land. And um, to me, it's you not, know, if you, For yourself, it's even more, maybe, you know, uh, more emphasis on, you know, that God blessed the work of your hands, you know, something like that, you know, creation, but Moshe Rabbeinu said in his prayer, that, you know.
0: Right. uh, Yeah, so I think it's a good question. Is is it specifically what you planted or anything that grows in your property? Or, you know, if they came to the land and it was already had these trees. So I think practically speaking, as we said in the first Rashi, this mitzvah only went into effect 14 years after they came into the land.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's talking about new fruits. So it would be 14 years after they came into the land. Um, not necessarily, I don't think it would have to be trees that you planted, but any new crop that was coming in uh, on your property, I would think, because it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, let's see, is, I don't think it said anything about planting. No. double but check
1: stuff like put, put it on like some stuff it takes time to grow this thing you know the tree so start, right you know, right uh,
0: so if it was a tree that was already in existence but these were new fruits in the tree I would guess that it would be required to uh, to have the bikulim, but I don't know for sure okay. and I hear what you're saying that it's specifically when you put in the effort to, to plant it and, and cultivate it, that's where the risk, the danger of thinking, you know, I did it comes in more than if you just, That's
1: right. That's
0: right. just reaping uh, what somebody else planted.
1: That's right. Okay. Thank you. thank you. Sure.
0: I'll leave you with one thought as we wind down. Um, a beautiful idea that I recall from last year is That at one point in our history, well, the way I put it was like this. One day, a rabbi comes to the temple with his bikurim, with his fancy basket. And he's very proud of himself. And he wants to make this declaration. He's been preparing it and he has a nice tune for it. And they tell him, sorry, you can't say the declaration." What's going on? He says, the coin is going to say the declaration for you. And he says, what do you mean? What's all going on? He says, so this is what happened. This is real. That was that was my, uh, my story that I made up. But here's what really happened. At some point, they changed the rules and they said, we're going to have, you know, you know what was happening was there were people who came and they couldn't read. They couldn't say the declaration because they couldn't read it. They were illiterate. So what happened what would be they would say okay if you can't read it the coin will read it for you but then what happened was people didn't want to come anymore because they were embarrassed they didn't want to say I can't read it so they changed the rule and they said everybody has to have the coin read it because we don't want to embarrass and we don't want to exclude the people who can't read and so that's another beautiful lesson uh, we said the first thing was, you know, you can't really rejoice until all the Jewish people are settled in the land. Here is also the same thing. It's inclusiveness that we have to be uh, concerned. And this, you know, in my imaginary story of the rabbi with the big hat, he gets angry and says, because some ignorant Jew doesn't read Hebrew. I can't read the, the declaration. So, yep, that's right. You can't read the declaration because there may be some Jew that wouldn't come otherwise so it's a very i think it's a powerful message of sensitivity and uh, and inclusivity mm-hmm. and uh, we have a similar thing where it used to you know, today when you get called up for an aliyah to the torah you say the blessing and then the torah reader reads the torah right that used to be different it used to be when you were called up for the torah you had to read the torah <laughs> you couldn't just come up and say Bar who Now you read it. No, you got called up. You read it. But over time, the same thing happened that people um, you know, were were, in, were not capable. Not everybody was capable of reading it, so it changed. So, it, so at one point, it was if you knew how to read it, you would read it. And if you didn't know how to read it, then a reader would read it for you. But in order not to embarrass the people who couldn't, it just became standard. Everybody. Everybody has a reader, read it for them, even if they can read it themselves. So it's a sacrifice um, on the part of, of those who can to make it more inviting and uh, more sensitive to those who won't be able to read the Higad dil Thank you all for joining us tonight. It's been wonderful. And we Thank will you. see you again Tuesday night, same time, same place.
1: thank you live at
0: close and of course we have our